we've been in a series called Difficult People. This is week number three, and I just want to ask you, uh, and, and again, the rule is you can't shake your head visibly in the room or raise your hand or do anything to draw attention to yourself, but have you recognized some difficult people in your life? <laughs> Y'all are like looking straight ahead, like no one's going to find me out. Have you realized maybe that you are the difficult person? Because it swings both ways, you know what I mean? God's Word is powerful for teaching us and sometimes rebuking us and, and correcting, and sometimes we have to heed to that. Uh, this week, we're, we're talking about a different kind of difficult person, um, and this one's a little bit different, uh, but it's people that manipulate us, manipulative people. And I, I just want to be blunt when I say this, that this is, this is going to be a little heavy. I just want you to get prepared uh, that this one's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit heavy. And the reason is because manipulating people, they're manipulative people, it's, they're not just a difficult personality to deal with. They're a dangerous personality. And the reason is because whether they realize it or not, they actually pull you out of the will of God and into the direction that they want you to go in life. Whether or not that has anything to do with God or not, typically it doesn't. At the root of every human being is something called sin, and that's at the root of it is selfishness. And that's opposite of what God wants for our lives. And so manipulating people, they, they, they manipulative people, they're, they're rooted in sin. They're rooted in selfishness. And so they, they want to pull you away. And I just want to take uh, a couple of minutes and talk about some of the tactics that manipul manipulative people use. You ready for this? Maybe you've uh, seen some of this in life. Uh, manipulative people like to use guilt and threats as a means of making you do what they want you to do. Um, if you really loved me, then you wouldn't do it this way. Or if you really loved me, then you would do what I want you to do. And so sometimes a manipulator uh, will, will do these things. Sometimes they'll, they'll tell you what you do that's wrong, not as a means of, of caring about you and trying to fix a scenario. They actually just dump the guilt on you, telling you well, everything that's wrong with you so that you'll kind of shift and do what they want you to do. Um, and these aren't sincere expressions because they care about you. They tell you things wrong with you as a way to make you feel less than them so that you'll submit to them. It's, it's very dangerous. They'll, they'll try to make you feel inadequate in the conversation so that you'll, you'll kind of turn and do what they want you to do. I see this happen a lot of times uh, even in, um, in the church. Have you ever heard this from a, a fellow Christian? Well, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. And I'm not talking about somebody who cares about you or somebody that is, is genuinely trying to pull you, correct you in love. That's not Christ-like. You call yourself a Christian and you would say that to me? And anytime somebody pulls that, I, a red flag just kind of goes up right there. Because anybody that genuinely cares about your Christian walk and wants to, wants to help correct that in your life, they're not going to say that to you, okay? The Bible says you can speak truth and you can do it in love. Love always gives. Love is never a taker. Love always gives. And so if someone is genuinely coming to you in love to try to correct you and pull you back to the Word of God, they are going to do it in such a way that actually builds you up. And actually point you in a direction that's good for you. But people, even Christians, will use that little tag. You call yourself a Christian and you would say that? They're, they're using that as a, a manipulative means to kind of turn you and do what they want you to do. Sometimes they use threats. I'm going to hang up on you if you don't stop. We're breaking up. 
I mean, this is not healthy stuff. See, this is, this is, this is manipulating someone. If I don't get what I want, then you're not getting what you want either. Anybody ever said that to you? Again, don't nod your head. Just look straight ahead. This is, this is heavy. They're using threats to get what they want. Sometimes the threat uh, isn't words. Sometimes the threat is the silent treatment. And the person's giving you the silent treatment, and you know that something's wrong, but you don't know what it is, and, and they're not saying anything, and, and you're just in the room, and it's tension-filled, and they're using the silent treatment as a means to make everything feel uncomfortable and weird and tension-filled so that, again, there's always, there's always a, an ulterior motive, so that you'll come crawling to them. And, and when you don't address it, it makes them so mad. But they use it as kind of a means to manipulate you so that you'll crawl to them. What's, what's going on? What's wrong? Well, you should know what's wrong, right? And this is not just women. Men do this too. Believe it or not, this is, this is not one versus the other. This is people in general. Why? Because we're all human beings. Sometimes the threat looks like that. Uh, then there's, there's flattery. Flattery as a means of manipulating people. I heard a story of a guy recently who, uh, in college, he was a part of this music group, um, and his job was to drive the bus. And he drove the bus, and on this particular bus, uh, he tells a story like this. He says, there were these really pretty girls, and they would always come up to me and ask me to do specific things for them. And I would do it because afterwards I knew that they were going to give me a great big hug. And he said they would hug me and tell me how cool I was. And they would say, you're the bomb. You know, and, and he said, I just love that. You know, and he said, here's the bad thing. I knew I was getting played. But they were so pretty. <laughs> I mean, he knew it. They were using flattery as a means to manipulate him. And manipulators sometimes will use that as a way to get you to do what they want. And they, they, they prey on you because they know you need affirmation. They know you need validation. And they want to give that to you, not because they love you and care, but they, they give you that uh, affirmation and that validation so you'll turn and you'll do what they want you to do. Don't fall for that. Because at the root of all that, manipulators are deceivers. And nobody has ever deceived you to do something that's good for you. They're out to deceive you. That's why Solomon wrote this. By the way, smartest guy who ever lived. We should pay attention. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. He was saying, I, I would rather get hurt by somebody that I know loves me than to be flattered by a manipulator. So we can all just say right here, you know what? Manipulation is a bad thing. It's a dangerous thing. It pulls us out of the direction that God wants us to go, and it moves us in a direction that a person is trying to get us to go in. So the question today is, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with somebody who's manipulating you? And I just want you to know there, there's two ways, kind of big bullet here. There's the flesh way, there's the human way, but then there's the godly way. And how many of you can, can say this, because before we go any further, we have to understand that God actually says something about this in his word. That God actually has an opinion about this, and he wants to show you what it is, so that when you walk out in life, you're not dealing with difficult people, with manipulators in a fleshly human way, but you're actually choosing the way that God has for you. Would you say that God actually has an opinion, that God actually has something that he wants to show you? In the Bible, there's lots of stories 
that involve manipulators from the Old Testament to the New Testament and on from there even today. So I, I want to look at a couple of these stories and talk about the flesh way and talk about the godly way. And to, to talk about the first one, we're going to look at a story about a guy named Samson. Everybody remember Samson? Just a big brute of a guy. He's kind of an anomaly. He's just a, a crazy story about this guy who, who has this superhuman strength all tied up in the glory of his long and flowing hair. I mean, he was born, he never cut his hair, and he took this Nazarite vow from God, and because of this, he's got this superhuman strength, this miracle from God, and uh, God uses that strength to help Israel along, but th- this is, he did some crazy things. Like one time, he took the, the jawbone of a donkey, like this bone, and killed a thousand Philistine enemies with it. That's crazy. Uh, one time, he, he, he picked up a whole city gate. He was trying to walk out of the gate and trying to, to slip by some people who were trying to kill him. And this huge ancient city gate, tons, okay, a huge thick door wrapped in metal. And he, instead of, it was locked, instead of trying to bust through it, he just picks it up off its hinges and carries it about 30 miles or so and then just sets it down. I mean, this is this brute of a guy. And the crazy thing is the, the ancient stories of, of Hercules were actually thought to have derived from the actual stories of Samson. I mean, this guy is a beast, and some would say dumb as a brick <laughs> because he got manipulated. He got had. I picked things up. I put them down. I mean, that's the kind of what you get with Samson. I mean, I don't know the guy, <laughs> but he got had by this lady named Delilah. And if you've never read the story, you know Delilah. You know the name. But here's his story. He handled a manipulator the wrong way, okay? We're just going to read through some scripture here. I want you to follow along. This is Judges chapter 16, starting with verse 4. It says, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines, they, hey, they go to her and they say, look, I want you to see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we can tie him up and subdue him. And when you do this, each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver, that's today's market, about $12,000 a piece they were going to give her. That's enough to make you think just for a second, hmm, I might do that. So you got to understand that these guys, these Philistine soldiers, they considered Samson to be the number one threat of their army. Single-handedly, this guy killed more Philistine enemies than anybody combined. Uh, and they're willing to give anything and everything to take him down. So verse 6, Delilah goes to Samson and says, tell me the secret of your great strength. And how you can be tied up and subdued. <laughs> now, wouldn't a red flag go up right there? I don't know anyone that's come ever come up to me and said, you know, I want you to just tell me your deepest, darkest flaw. I mean, I got to know you pretty good in order for me to tell you my deepest, darkest flaw. Uh, verse 7, Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings. So he actually starts to give her an answer. That have not been dried, I'll become weak as any other man. So she tells the Philistine rulers, and then verse 8, the rulers of the Philistines, they brought seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, gave her to her, so she ties them up with them. So these guys are like hiding in the room, right? And so when she ties them up, she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But then he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. And so the secret of his strength was not discovered. 
Now, it's interesting. We kind of get on board with what Samson's doing. He's, he's giving her information, but he's giving her the not-so-accurate information just to see what she'll do with it. And she fails miserably. She, like, does the worst thing possible. She tries to have him captured and imprisoned. But it's interesting what she says next. This is where the manipulative stuff comes in. Then Delilah said to Samson, you've made a fool of me. You've lied to me. I mean, just try to envision that scene. She traps him. She ties him up, right? He breaks off of everything. Philistine's laying everywhere, and he looks at her. And she's like, well, um, you lied to me. (laughs) You made a fool of me. Have you ever gone into a conversation pretty sure that the other person was wrong, pretty sure that, you know what, you had some valid expressions that you wanted to get out, but you left the conversation and somehow you apologized? I mean, that's called hijacking the conversation. Write that down if you want. Hijacking the conversation. That's when you have a legitimate concern and you come in love and someone hijacks the conversation and flips it and all of a sudden they make it about them. They've completely uh, rendered what you said useless. That's not important anymore. And all of a sudden now they're just talking about themselves and making you feel bad about it. Hijacking the conversation. Manipulators will do this. Uh, if, If maybe you're a spouse and your spouse is coming home and they're late. And they don't tell you where they are. They just didn't communicate. And it made you feel bad, right? Valid concern. They get home. Everything's fine. They're safe. But you say, you know what? Uh, I just got to say, you, you, you didn't call me. You didn't you know, tell me you were going to be late. And that kind of bothered me, maybe going forward. Well, you don't know what's going on at work with me. You see, it twists, hijack the, well, you, if you really cared, you know, maybe you'd ask me how my day was. They just completely made the argument that the one spouse made completely irrelevant. Hijacked the conversation, flipped it around, and they made it all about them. And this is what Delilah does to Samson. Verse 11. So she has just said, you made a fool of me. Tell me how you can be tied. So he says, listen, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become weak as any other man. So he literally goes round two. Delilah, so she takes new ropes, ties him up with them. Then, with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he does the same thing. He stands up, snaps the ropes off his arms as if they were threads, takes out the Philistines. And Delilah said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Samson goes round three. (laughs) Verse 13 If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll be as weak as any other man. And so while he was sleeping, it's a pretty heavy sleeper, Delilah took the seven braids of his head and wove them into the fabric and tightened it with a pin. And for a third time, she calls out to Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he wakes up from his sleep, pulls the pin out uh, with the fabric. And then she says to him, how can you say that you love me? I can just imagine at this point she's getting, like, really weepy. How can you say you love me? You, you, won't, you won't tell me the truth. Well, you tried to kill me. <laughs> this is the third time you've made a fool of me, and you haven't told me with the secret of your great strength. Verse 16, this is where I want you to dig in. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick of it to death. This, this is not about a woman nagging her man. This is about a manipulator that won't stop. 
This is about someone who likes to manipulate, that just presses and presses and presses, flattering, guilting him, threatening him with the relationship, doing whatever she can, but she won't stop. Manipulative. The New King James Version, I love this version of chapter or verse 16. I love the words. She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. And Samson, for whatever reason, just he gave into it the wrong way, the fleshly way. I don't know why, but verse 17, so he told her everything. Now, I just don't believe that he would have done that if he actually knew that she was going to do it. So at some point along the line, he just got so enthralled with her that he just missed the fact that she was manipulating him and gave him the very core of who he was, the very core of, of what God had done in him, the very uh, path that God was trying to walk him on and gave it away to a manipulator. And the next thing that happens is, Samson, the Philistines are among you, except this time it actually happened. She told him, the secret's in my hair. I've never gone, I've never cut my hair. She cuts his hair off. They come in. He's weak just like any other man. They subdue him. They tie him up. They cut his eyes out. And they take him to prison where he spends the rest of his life. When you deal with manipulators the flesh way in order to win validation, in order to win favor, in order to win affirmation, you, you, you not only fall prey to them, but you take yourself out of the will of God for your life. Now, will you be put in prison for dealing with a manipulator and giving in? Probably not, but it'll feel like it. Pressed, controlled, guilty. Isn't that the opposite of what Jesus said he came to give you? Jesus said, I, I came to give you life, and I came to give it to you to the full. Paul said where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's, there's fullness of joy. But when you deal with a manipulator, you feel controlled, you feel pinned in, you feel, you feel pressed. Everything you receive from God is the exact opposite of what you get in a manipulating relationship. And the fact is, is that you don't have to give in. There is another way to deal with manipulators. And that's this, that's the godly way. We saw Samson completely murder it with the fleshly way taking himself out of the will of God. But the godly way is something different. So I, I want to give you four principles in dealing with manipulators in a healthy, godly way, very practical. And I want to talk about a different story from somebody who did just that. But the first thing you need to do when you're dealing with somebody that's being manipulating in your life is you got to recognize the fact that someone's trying to manipulate you. And I think this is interesting because sometimes we don't recognize it because we're so used to it. Well, that's just their personality, or that's just who they are. Well, they're not trying to be malicious, but they're manipulative, and we don't, we don't really grasp it. But you've got to recognize this. Some people are so good at it that they've just gone the whole relationship being manipulated, and the person manipulating them. They don't even know they're doing it. And honestly, sometimes you think it's normal. And you look at it from the outside looking in, and it's such a dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> We're like, well... This is just what our relationship is. I didn't even know any different. You need to know some manipulators, they don't even realize they're manipulating. In fact, sometimes the manipulating person actually has some pretty good intentions, the good motives, and they don't realize that the tactics they're using for trying to get it done is manipulating somebody. Let's look at another story, and this is a story I want to tell you about. It's Jesus. 
He's nearing the end of his ministry on earth, getting ready to go be crucified, and he starts to tell his disciples about what's getting ready to happen to him. In Matthew 16, verse 21, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And I love how Peter hears that. He doesn't hear raised to life. He hears killed, suffered, and it says that he took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. This isn't going to happen to you. You're the son of God. We'll fight with you. In fact, later on we found out that he did when they came to arrest Jesus, and Peter cuts off one of the guy's ears. And Jesus does the thing where he takes it and puts the ear back on. It was a whole weird thing, but he did it. (laughs) I mean, Peter just, he doesn't get it. He's like, you know what? His motives are good, yeah, but God's got a plan for Jesus' life. The problem is, so does Peter. <laughs> and, and his motives may seem good at the time, but he used a form of manipulation to try to sway Jesus a completely different way. And Jesus did this. He recognized that this is a form of manipulation. As good as the motives could have been, he recognized that it was manipulation. And you need to recognize when you're being manipulated. Do you recognize when someone's doing that to you? Let me give you just several signs to look for. When you can't say no to a certain person, you might just be being manipulated. They ask you to do something, you just can't say no. And it's not this, you know, I help you, you help me. It's not this healthy thing going on. It's that, man, they just pressure me and pressure me, and I know they're going to keep going and going until I finally cave. I just can't say no to them. So I just go ahead and say yes to start with and just kind of avoid the fight. That's a manipulative person. Maybe you feel guilty when you're interacting with them. I just, every time I get around them, it's just negative. Every time I'm with them, they make me feel guilty about something that I'm doing. I don't know what it is about them, but it's always the negative, and it always outweighs the positive, if any positives at all. And it's like, they're just negative Nancy all the time. Sorry if your name's Nancy. I, I just, it's just negative all the time. I just, I can't seem to, when I get them, they suck the life out of me. They rarely add anything to me. It's a sign you might be being manipulated. And I just want to throw this in there. Sometimes uh, kids of divorced parents, sometimes they feel guilty about what happened to mom and dad. And parents, if we're not careful, um, we can actually make our kids feel guilty about wanting to spend time with the other parent or, or, or vice versa. And we'll say things like, well, you know what? If you, if you go over there, I'm not going to be able to take you to this fun thing I wanted to do. But if you stay home and you don't go there, then we're going to have a blast. We're going to go do this thing. And what we don't realize, and I'm, a, I'm a, a parent who is divorced, so I understand the struggle. Sometimes it's like you're just fighting for your own right, what you feel for your kids to want to love you. And you're fighting for your own feelings. But what you don't realize you're doing is you're manipulating your kids to satisfy your own hunger for your hurt to be healed. Don't manipulate your kids. Let your kids feel like they have the freedom to be able to work through this at their own pace. And sometimes that means, you know what, your feelings are going to get hurt because they want to spend time somewhere else. I thought I'd throw that in there. Maybe you feel responsible for the problems in the relationship solely. You know, last time I checked, a relationship has two people in it. And since neither one of you are perfect, both of you contributed (laughs) to the problem. But a manipulator will come in and try to make you feel guilty about something, and all of a sudden you feel solely responsible for everything. 
there, there's no admission on the other side of guilt. There's no apologies coming from anywhere. So they just pile it on you. This is your fault. You have to fix it. And all the problems in the relationship, it feels like it's all about you. You may be being manipulated. How about this one? When you begin to compromise values to please someone. I see this a lot in dating couples who are trying to live for God or trying to do things a certain way, specifically when it comes to sexual stuff. And, and all of a sudden it comes out, well, if you really love me, you, you do this. If this is a love relationship, we're going to be together forever, right? This is real, so why? And all of a sudden you feel yourself starting to fudge on some things. Teenagers, listen to me. It's never worth it, ever. Have your boundaries before you go in and you'll never cross them. How about this? It's just a little bit on your taxes. Gosh, they're not going to know. The government's this and that, and, and you deserve this, and they're, they're never going to find out. And you're like, well, it's really not right. Listen, everybody's doing it. You'd be surprised. If it, and all of a sudden, you, you feel like you're, in order to keep the relationship uh, together, you have to compromise some type of value. You, you fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. But if you find yourself compromising your values that you have in God in order to put a, hold a relationship together, that's the wrong relationship. Get out of it. Someone's manipulating you. You got to recognize it. Know the indicators because it's not just about somebody being difficult to deal with. It's a dangerous person that's trying to pull you out of the path that God has for you. So when you recognize it, what do you do? Well, what did Jesus do? He refused to be controlled. He recognized it and he was very blunt. He was loving, but he was blunt. That's what Jesus did. Look at verse 23. Peter says, no, you can't do that, Lord. He turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're, you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have the mind in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So what do you do when someone's manipulating you? Well, I'm not suggesting you call them Satan. <laughs> Jesus recognized a deeper spiritual thing that was going on, and he didn't have any trouble addressing it. But you can look at a manipulating person and say, I'm not going to fall for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, that's not going to work on me. We're not, we're not going to do this. If, if you want to try to guilt me, you know what? You're just going to have to try, but I refuse to feel guilty about this specific thing. You're not going to use that as a form of manipulating me. And sometimes this is hard. I get it. Especially if it's been an ongoing thing and this is the relationship that you have and it's, it's difficult and the person is used to having power over you. Nothing good is going to come about until you actually address it. Again, you can be loving. The Bible says speak the truth and do it in love, but the truth is still the truth. Couple it with love, but be clear. Don't, don't take no for an answer, and if you've got to walk away, walk away. But be clear. Uh, there was a, a pastor um, that I know that had a guy in his church one time that tried to manipulate him, and he recognized it immediately, and he had to face kind of this principle. Am I going to be clear? Am I not? And this guy kept trying to get him to go to this 10-day conference, and he didn't have the time to go, and you know what? He already had other things he was doing, and he kind of told the guy politely at first, but he kept pushing and pressing and, and pressing. Finally, he looked at him and said, listen, I'm, I'm not going to go to this conference. I'm sorry, uh, but I'm not going to go. Well, it went a step further than that. They get in a meeting with some of the leaders in the church, and this guy's in there, and he looks at him in front of everyone and tries to get everybody else. Hey, don't you think pastors should go to this conference? And he looked at the guy and said, I'm going to stop you right there. He said, I've already told you privately that I'm not going to this conference. So now I'm going to say it publicly since you brought it up in here. I'm not going. Please don't ask me to go to this again. 
you could have heard a pin drop in the room. <laughs> I mean, everybody's like, I thought we were here for a meeting about something else, you know. Well, the guy calls him the next day and said, you know, you really embarrassed me last night at the meeting. He says, listen, I'm sorry I embarrassed you, but I've already told you I wasn't going. And if you bring it up again, I'm probably going to embarrass you again. Was he clear? Yeah. He refused to be controlled. And whenever you recognize that somebody is controlling you through manipulation, be loving, but be clear. Stand your ground. And this kind of helps put it into spiritual perspective for you. I want you to really lean in and listen to this principle uh, number three. You need to realize that allowing manipulation is sin and idolatry. And, and I use the word realize on purpose because when you knowingly let somebody else control the shape and the path of your life, you're taking that out of the hands of God who made you and loves you and has the authority, and you're giving it to somebody else, and you put them in the place of God. When you knowingly do that. Now, God is very clear on this. He's talked to the Israelites. He talked to his people in, in Exodus 20, verse 2. He said this, I am the Lord your God. And that's his credentials. <laughs> and I love how he starts out like that. And he's saying to you and to me today, look, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the one that sent my son Jesus to die for you. Whenever you couldn't make the sacrifice for yourself. I'm the one who's holy. I'm the one who's above all things. I am the one who, who lives and breathes for you and gave my all for you. And some of you need to hear that right now. God Almighty, Jesus Christ, His Son, is the Lord, your God. And He says, I'm the one that brought you up out of Egypt. I'm the one that brought you up out of slavery. I'm the one that forgave you of your sins when no one else could. I'm the one that did that. So you shall have no other gods before me. That wasn't a suggestion. That wasn't some type of flattery. That was a command. And he says it very clearly and very poignantly to you and to me today. Now, does that mean something to you? How, how does that tie into somebody manipulating me? Well, when, when you yield to manipulators, you give in to the direction that they want you to go in your life when God already has a direction that he wants you to go. Delilah did it with Samson, not the ending that God wanted for Samson. Peter tried to do it with Jesus. That wasn't the plan that God had for Jesus. And thank God Jesus didn't give in because we'd still be helpless. But he went through with it, with the plans that God had for his life, not Peter's, who was unknowingly manipulating him. And, and I know sometimes when we're, when we're looking at people that are manipulating us, sometimes especially when they're using flattery or, or we just are tired of feeling the guilt, we want to give in because we just want their approval. Sometimes we just want them to shut up. Can we be honest? But it's this approval that we're seeking. And, and Paul said this to the Galatian church, chapter 1, verse 10. He says, look, am I trying to win the approval of people now or God? Am I trying to please people? If I was trying to please people, then I wouldn't even be a servant of God. And I think some of us got that mixed up. Well, well, we'll please God sometimes, but when this manipulator won't stop or when they press too hard, we'll try to please them too so that we can keep the relationship going. But look, trying to be a, a, a servant of people and get the approval of people and the approval of God, it doesn't work. In fact, God said this. I, Jesus said, I, I'd rather you be on one side or the other. Please don't sit in the middle. It's one of the only places in the Bible that he actually says, that makes me want to throw up. It literally gets to me so bad it makes me sick. When you sit here and play the middle, 
Who's your God? Well, you are today, but tomorrow I'm going to try to win the approval of them. And maybe you don't do that consciously, but listen, he ties this together in his word. When you give in to people that are trying to manipulate you and take you off course, but at the same time still sit in church and pretend, you're sitting in the middle. And God says, I, I'd rather you just go ahead and be fully for them. Ultimately, I'd rather you be fully for me. But if you're going to sit in the middle, just go ahead and go fully to the other side. I paid a big price for you. I gave my all for you. So I want all of you. And here's the thing. When we're seeking approval of God and we're seeking approval of people, we're all looking for approval. Every one of us. We're human beings. We're born with this innate need for approval. So you're going to look for approval from, from something. You are. Wait. You, you are. There, there are some people that, that put a person in that position, a boyfriend, a spouse, a family member, and we just, we're looking for approval. We're looking something to, to fill that void in our lives that says, hey, I'm worth something. Now, some people would say this. Some people would say, I don't need approval from anybody. I'm my own man. Well, I'm my own woman. I don't need the approval of anybody. Just, some people have like their pets. Just me and Sparkles. That's all I need. Just... Sparkles is never mad. He's never, he, he always comes and he's always happy to see me. That's all the, listen, why are you putting an animal in the place of God? <laughs> I mean, a, an animal cannot fill a God-shaped void inside of you to need approval. And for the person that says you don't need approval, listen, that's like saying, I, I just, I don't need to go to the bathroom anymore. Yes, you do. And when you try to hold it, it'll work for a little while. But eventually, guess what? You're going to go somewhere. And hopefully you're somewhere near a bathroom. But it's eventually going to come out. You're eventually going to have to have that need for approval filled in your life. Are you going to go to a person with it, a thing, or are you going to go to God? Because the minute you, you choose to go to a person who happens to be manipulating you, you've just chosen the person over God. You've just taken yourself out of the will of God to pursue a path for someone that's manipulating you. So maybe you need to think about where you really stand. And I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes the relationships where we're being manipulated, they're the closest ones in our lives. And it gets comfortable, and it gets, it, gets, uh, it gets normal, and we just feel like, well, this is just the way it is. It's like a, a kid in a dirty diaper. It's warm, and it's mine. And that's about what a manipulating relationship is, too crap good for nothing I think some of us we, we just need to realize not just to say no to a manipulator but we need to realize who we are in God and you need to get to a place where, where you're like you know I'm, I've got God in the center of my life and I don't need someone else to pull me if, if this wants to be a life giving relationship where I'm giving to the relationship and they're giving to the relationship and we have this relationship together where we're filling each other up that's a healthy relationship but if, if I'm going into a relationship and I'm doing all the giving and they're doing all the taking then more than likely they're manipulating me but if I go into a relationship and I, I don't need their approval because I've already got the approval of God, then that's something way different. And you can recognize manipulation from a mile away whenever you've got the approval of God Almighty in your life. And some of you, 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 you have manipulators in your life that you just need to write a letter to. Maybe hypothetically in your mind, maybe you need to write it down on paper so you can see it. Maybe some of you need to actually tell somebody something. And maybe it would go like this. Dear manipulator, I know who I am in God's sight 
I know who I am. I know that he thought of me before the creation of the world. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 says. That he had a plan for me. That he made me and formed me. And then get this, he died for me. I know who I am in God's sight. Everything that you would give me, manipulator, it has strings attached to it. But God is for me, and he sent his only son and gave his all for me. I know who I am in God's sight. And maybe you just need to say this, I have done what my God has asked me to do. Because a, a common tactic is the threats and the, and the guilt, and you're such a bad person. And if you did, listen, I, you may say all that stuff, but I've done what I know God has asked me to do. I, I, I know I have. There's a lot of pressure I feel from you, but ultimately I'm serving the one true God. And he doesn't put pressure on me like that. Only convicts me in right standing to move me along in his will. But I'm confident that I know I'm doing what he's asked me to do. And the third thing is this. God has approved me. I I know who I am in God's sight. I know I've done what he's asked me to do. And God has approved me already. It's easy to try to get sucked into wanting your approval, but you know what? Your approval's empty. But God's approval is life-giving, and it's priority number one for me. And because he's approved me, I don't need yours. I know who I am. Maybe some of you need to realize that and know where you stand. And, And realize that when you knowingly give in to a manipulator, it's sin. It's not just, oh, poor pitiful you, oh, poor Samson. No, he said yes to somebody in lieu of saying yes to God. Don't let a manipulator pull your track, pull your life off track. And I just want to say this really quick, because I I know that with everybody in the room, we've all been a manipulator at a time or two. And some of us are, are still doing it. And and I just gotta say, this is very quick. This is principle four. Relinquish control. Lose control. Because at the, the, the bottom of a heart of a manipulator is not somebody who's just planning their next attack. It's a hurting person. And I know I'm calling you out right now, exposing you, but it's a, it's a hurting person that they don't have that God-shaped void filled in their own life. And so they get it off of coming after you. It, it's a need for control, but it's, it's masking a hurt that's there that they haven't dealt with. And and I just need to tell you, you know, you can't control somebody else's life because you don't have the right to do that. God has given you the, the divine authority to control your own life and to make your own decisions. And God, as much as he could, does not come in and change everything about you to make you what he wants you to be until you give him permission to do so. And you know what? You're less than perfect. There are times where you've been rude and you've, you've chosen to be impatient. There are times where you've chosen sin instead of chosen God. And God at that moment in time, the God of the universe, if he wanted, he could come and change everything about you and take over. But you know what? That's not even a step that he takes. So how can God give you that and then you turn around and try to control somebody else's life? I'm here to tell you today, God is saying this, relinquish control. And deal with your hurt. Deal with your problems and stop making it about somebody else. Let go. And maybe you just need to say today, you know what? I'm in control of my decisions, not my spouse's. I'm in control of my own life and not my family's, not my boss's, not my friend's. I'm in control of mine. And when you really begin to grasp that, 
there's going to be a freedom that comes into your life like no other, a burden that's been lifted off of you. Now you know you no longer have to have the burden of trying to control somebody else. And if you've been a manipulator, you understand that's heavy. That's a burden. And you spend the majority of your time stressed out and anxiety-filled wondering if they're going to do it and they're going to do it and if I can line this person up. and I, it, It's this heaviness that comes on you. But when you have the approval of God and know that, you know what, I don't have to be anything other than what God's called me to be. The burden just completely lifts off of you. Real quick, a story, and then I'm going I'm to close. I, I used to be a manipulator when I was a kid. God delivered me. I was about 20 years old when God delivered me from it. And you know what the, the bottom line was for me? I was an angry person. And I remember when God delivered me from that, I, I stopped having the need to try to manipulate others. I didn't know I was doing it. Matter of fact, I was a pastor when God <laughs> delivered me from that. I didn't realize I was that way. But when I was a kid, uh, I have uh, three, two brothers and a sister, and my younger brother, Josh, man, I, I, I didn't just have brotherly squabbles with him. I manipulated him. I thought he had to do everything I said when I said do it. It was unhealthy. And I remember the day, I remember the day that he grew up enough, we were teenagers, and he realized, I don't have to do what you say. It was a bad day. <laughs> and I, I just remember thinking in my own mindset, yes, you do. And so I pushed further. And, you know, boys will be boys. It got physical. And I remember him being at the other end of the hallway. And it, by that time, it wasn't even about what we were talking about. It was just us trying to who was, see who was going to outdo the other. And I remember him running at me and, and looking at me with this fire in his eyes. And I knew I could take him. He was my younger brother. But there was a little part of me that was like, holy crap, this is actually happening. It was like the first time he actually stood up to me. And eventually it just wore off, and I'm like, well, you know, he doesn't have to do it, I guess. But it took a little bit. It got worse before it got better. Why did I tell you that? Well, when you walk out of here today, you're going to be making some decisions, and you could possibly be confronting somebody who's been manipulating you, somebody who's close to you. Do it in love, but be clear. And I just want you to know that sometimes they don't take that too lightly, and sometimes they actually press harder. But you got to be clear in love and know that you've been approved by God and it doesn't matter what somebody else says. You can walk away from that relationship if you have to, but you don't have to be manipulated. You stay the course. I'm so God glad that God delivered me from that. But you, you're going to be making some decisions, maybe to stop manipulating or, or maybe to confront somebody who's manipulating you. And I want you to know that no matter what hardships you face, that God's got you. And that when you stay on track with what he wants you to do and know that you're approved by him and you're very clear in refusing to be controlled by somebody else, God will honor that and he'll bless you. I love the fact that the word says that God's never forsaken us. He'll never leave us. And he'll always be there for us. And he'll be there, there for you this week and for the rest of your lives. Can I pray with you? God, thank you for the opportunity to come in a room like this on a day like this. and. And hear kind of a weighty message, Lord, but that's very relevant to our lives. And, Lord, for those in the room that are being manipulated, Lord, and for the, those in the room and those listening online maybe who, who, who are manipulators, maybe not even realizing it. Lord, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would convict and that you would bring about change in the name of Jesus. Lord, I trust you to land that on every heart that needs to hear it and give clear instructions on what to do next. I'm grateful, God, that you're with us and that you're walking out of here with us when we leave this room. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Can we say amen together? 
Amen. Guys, if I love you so much, grateful uh, that you're here today. Um, listen, if you're here for the first time or, or new to the church in the last month or so, we're having our guest gathering right now, about 15 minutes or so. We've got some snacks to hold you over till lunch. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to put a face with a name. Um, I love you guys. See you next week. We're going to continue this series, Difficult.